0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed.
1: I want to share something with you, and then I want to tell you these stories, because sometimes what happens is we know the Scriptures um, well, but sometimes the disconnect is like, yeah, I, I, I get that that's a truth, but how do I anchor that into the world of my life, into my family, into my my marriage into my business into my career right into my into my education. How do I anchor, How do we bring heaven to earth? What does that look like? So I'm 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 gonna wrestle with this uh, for a little bit, um, but we're we're gonna get there. Everyone say we're gonna get there. You know, I I've, I've all week I was um, I felt like a, a real nudge from the Holy Spirit around a, pr- a particular statement in the Bible, and um, uh, it was a couple of nights ago. I I, I really I felt like. Every hour in the hour, I felt like a, an, an, an angel tapping me on the shoulder and he would repeat this statement, you know. And uh, I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd go to sleep again. And then it was like, uh, And the same statement. It was like, Yeah, I, I got it. You know, I was like, Oh my goodness, you know, like I got it. I'm, okay, I'm going to do it. I, I, this is where I'm going to go. And because, you know, I don't just want to come and say, I just don't want to come and preach a, a cute message. I want to bring a word of the Lord. But what I noticed was every time I got woken up and the angel, Spoke the thing to the the scripture to me again. I just felt like there was an impartational authority that kept on coming on the inside, on the inside. Where's 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 the bass player? Where's where's he, uh, dude? Okay, Sal, guitar player. Sorry, man. I'm I'm not muzo. Sorry. Uh, they all look, <laughs> potato, potato. You know. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sal, uh, uh, in the second service as you were playing, I. I was thinking, oh man, I really dig the whole, you know, mad pirate thing going on, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love it. I, I really do. I, I, I love it. But I, 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 then it got weird as I kept on looking at you. It got really weird because I saw you pregnant. And um, I was going, God, what's going on here? Uh, I, I saw you pregnant. But, and then I heard, I heard two things. I heard dangerous men and motorcycles. I, I don't know, Sal, what you do, all that sort of stuff, but I kind of feel like God's wired you with this wildness in you. I, I, I kind of feel like, I feel even in sort of as you guys go to this next build, I feel like there's going to come a door, and because and, I'm trying to be really careful here, but just to say that I feel like there's a door. You, you're actually pregnant with salvation for some dangerous men and uh, i really feel like god's going to you know you don't have to work for this, this is going to happen it's it's this is more i feel like this prophecy is that you're going to become very aware when the moment comes and you're going to go oh wow okay god put me in this room god brought me to this moment and you'll know you'll go oh wow this is the fulfillment of this word of the lord and i feel like even as you even as you lead these dangerous men uh, it's going to be like the, there'll be a chain effect, and, and it's, it's, it's going to open a real door of evangelism, um, so I bless you in that. I, I really see that for you. So, so this thought, you know, I, I, I'm kind of, this thought, I, I want to just kind of anchor this, this just this morning in a very familiar passage, very familiar story, probably the, the most familiar story in the Bible, which is that of David and Goliath. And and it's wonderful. I mean, most of us know, we know it inside out. We've heard a hundred messages about it. But sometimes in the familiarity of a story, there's a danger. And the danger is that you just go, I know that. I know that. But, you know, the Word of God is living. And so you know it, but actually there's more to know. (laughs) There's more to know. And and so you've just got to be careful sometimes around the familiarity of things because God wants, you know, when the Spirit of God breathes fresh on His Word, it's like you've never read the story. It's like you've, you've never heard the story before. And so we, we, we get to this, this scene, this, this moment where, uh, you, you know, the deal, right? The army of Israel and the Philistines, and they're all kind of arrayed. And, and, and there's this moment in Israel's life, and it's, it's got to do with this thought of how do we land... Prophetic promises, prophecies. Like would you put your hand up if you've ever received a prophecy uh, or a, a word or you're carrying a real promise from God that you feel God spoke to you, even just through the word. I mean, it doesn't mean anybody come and said it, but you just, you know, we're all, in some degree, we're all like Sal. We're all pregnant, right, uh, with these prophetic promises. And, and, and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. But, you know, when a prophetic promise comes, I usually, I don't know about you, I usually go, I just don't know how that's going to happen. I just don't, I don't know how that's going to happen, and I hope it happens tomorrow, you, you know, because, like, I'm not patient, you know. The problem with that is that every prophetic promise invites us into a prophetic process, right? right there's, there's, with every prophetic promise you have, God is inviting you into a prophetic process, and if you reject the prophetic process, you'll abort the prophetic promise. You've got to hear that got to hear that. It, it's, this isn't magic. This isn't like God is kind. Why? Because the prophetic promise invites you into something more of the kingdom and the prophetic process prepares you to be able to stand in that space well. Yeah. Right? Right. Because it, it's about journey, right? God's got a journey. And so we, we come into this moment where the Israelites who are full of prophetic promise, they're the sons and daughters of God. They come into this moment of challenge of their prophetic promise and they're not doing too well and and you know in the midst of every prophetic promise you carry in the process there's always a giant like there's always something resisting you and and here's the interesting thing that thing that is resisting you is perfectly tailored by the kingdom of darkness to resist you it knows every weakness every insecurity It knows every part of you, and it constructs itself in such a way that is perfect fit to resist you. Isn't that amazing? Is that good news? (laughs) No, it's it's like, no, it is good news. I hope you understand that it is good news. It's good news because God wouldn't allow that if he didn't want to help you understand that you're bigger than you think. And he's more powerful than you know. (laughs) And you're more ready then you give yourself credit for. So, so in this moment, a prophetic promise, the children of Israel, they're in the battles. Every time a prophetic word comes, there's an invitation to come into the battles. I love receiving prophetic words, but I'm challenged by the process always because it speaks to every limitation inside of me. When I'm mentoring business people in my consultancy, the first, the first, the first session always... I'll always say to them, it doesn't matter what you say to me, I'm going to tell you your major bottleneck is you. You, you, you know, you can tell me my staff, and you can tell me the, 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 the marketplace and the this and the that, and the, the major bottleneck will always be you. The major bottleneck to your prophetic promise coming to pass is you, not the devil. He's not that powerful. You're more powerful. So, so this, this, this tailor-made giant comes uh, to challenge the prophetic promise of the children of Israel. And in verse 4, it says, A champion went out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, and he was from a place called Gath, and his height was six cubits. He was nine, he was nine foot. He was a tall dude. And, and it's interesting because the name Goliath, right? The name Goliath means to reveal something. It means an announcer, right? He's an announcer of something. And and where he comes from, Gath, actually that means wine press. It's where they make wine. Every every enemy of your prophetic promise is going to announce a false lie to you, like a like a falseness to you. It's going to announce that you're not you're not good enough. You're not ready. That, that God couldn't possibly do what He suggests. You know He's going to do in your life. I got this girl. Let me give you this testimony. I got this uh, girl. She's a young woman now, and um, she. She, uh, she suffered greatly with uh, dyslexia, right, dyslexia, and just suffered, and her, her father sent her to some of the, he was a rich guy, and he sent her to some of these, some of the sort of the elite schools for all these intellectuals, and she, she I mean, with dyslexia, she just suffered greatly, uh, you know, feeling really intimidated by it, and so what happened was in the class, she starts crying out to God saying, God, I, I can't listen, like, you know, with dyslexia, I can't hear all the auditory digital stuff and the, you know, maths and all that. And so she said, God, you got to help me. And and what happened was that um, she she began to create her own language to interpret what the teacher was saying to her. And the language that she created was, she thought she was just squiggling, but she started kind of drawing symbols. And as she would as the teacher would talk, she would associate certain symbols rather than words, and so she would write symbols on her page, and that's how she actually got through high school, right? And so, but but she she sort of lived with this thing about oh you're you're foolish, you you know you're silly, you're you're weird, uh, and under this intimidation, I remember I intersected her um, somewhere in her mid 20s, and she began explaining this to me, and what she'd done is kind of she began to venture out and create. These, these, these squiggles and these pictures as an art form. And um, anyway, we long story short was, I, re- I felt I had a word of the Lord for her. I said to her, I, I really feel God's calling you into business in, as an artist with, this, with this, this deal. So what she did is um, she, she went into this process of breaking off intimidation, the lies, you're stupid, you can't do anything. And she began to uh, put herself out there with this art form and then people started to come and 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 hire her to do like commission works for th- for them. And what she would do is they would come and they would tell her a story, and as they were telling her a story, she would uh, she would script these these patterns and these symbols and all the rest. And she would get prophetic words for them, which she'd never tell them about, by the way, because most of these people weren't weren't Christians. And she would write down these words of knowledge, and they would commission her to paint a painting. And um, so what she would do is she would she would get the blank canvas and she would write all the prophetic words that she got while she was interviewing the people that she'd never told them about, right? And then she would paint over it and then paint all the symbols that would interpret the, the stories that they told her. And then what had happened is, um, so she had a studio in her garage and they would come and she would have a veil over the painting and she would say to them, because remember, they don't, they've not, never seen the painting yet. All they've told her is the story and they understand her zone right they understand her type and that she'd have a veil over it and she'd say to them uh, she would put a chair in front of the, 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 the where the easel was and she would say to them I'm uh, I, I'm I'm going to leave you like I'm I want you to sit in that chair and, and I'm going to leave and when I leave I'm, I want you to take your time I want you to unveil the painting and let it speak to you let it tell you a story the interesting thing about that was she would come back sort of 10-15 minutes later and many times those people un- non-believers were on the floor like just, just on the floor, like wiped out, and you know, when she would kind of come and say, "Hey, what's going on?" They'd that, say, "I don't know," but every time I I look at that painting, I just feel like the love of my father, hitting my hitting me, you know, and um, this this her name's Bonnie Gray, by the way. You can she built the business through Instagram, believe it or not, and um, she now is one of Australia's most commissioned artists. Uh, she uh, the, the arist- some aristocracy in Europe can, uh, saw her art and ended up paying for her to do a Parisian vacation in Paris for a month, all expenses paid, because they were trying to court her to come to Europe and run these art retreats uh, for the aristocracy to teach them to do what... Because they said, your art has power, and we, we want to figure out what to do with that. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Like this... This intimidation that just that that was in, was actually tailor made for her, like like Caleb says. Caleb, you know, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb says, "My enemies are bread for me. Like like my enemies are B R E A D. They're bread for me. They they literally uh, the see see when I've got a promise and I come into a prophetic process. Yes, there's enemies, but they're they. They think they're on assignment to destroy me, but actually God has tailor-made them to become bread for me to build capacity, to build capacity in my life, right? All of a sudden, you've got a prophetic promise, you know, in your marriage. And, and so there's, there's always a process, and usually, you know, that usually invites chaos, you know. But but that that chaos is bred for you. Why? Because on the other side of that, as you enter into your prophetic promise, that marriage now is at a at a level that you never would have had before. You know, uh, you know, depending on what it is, what what your prophetic promise is. You know, as a church, I, I remember as ten years ago when when Mark Pastor Mark and Darlene came, and um, we were just we were kind of this you know we we're just a, not a small church, just medium sized church, and um, one of the things that, that was notorious was in the, the church had been going for 20 years. One of the things that was this testimony that the church could never rise, never rise to, to, to acquire property. It just, you know, regional center. There was a whole bunch of excuses. Regional center, the people, you know, just couldn't ever rally to, um, to, to take property. And, and we were warned about that. We was like, this is the Achilles heel of this church. This is the giant that is to resist us. And um, there was uh, the the church had, by the grace of God, had acquired a property that was on it was on a five acre thing with a building. And there was a piece of land next door, which for twenty years, listen to this, for twenty years was a, like a there was prophets that came the, every the senior pastors that were there always said that land is marked out for us, that land is marked out for the church. But every time it became available to be bought. The church could never rally, could never rise to it. It just got intimidated, and you know the price kept on going up. And finally, um, when we came, the the land was in the in the hands of a doctor, who for some reason or other hated the church, like just hated us, and went and told people, "I will never sell," because he knew the church wanted the land. He said, "I will never sell the land of the church. It, the church will never buy the land." So. So we're there, we'd probably been, um, uh, we'd been working in the church for about a year or two, and that land came up for auction. The, the doctor finally, he wanted to sell the land, and um, he, um, so he puts it up for auction, and, and Pastor Mark reaches out to me, he says, hey, the land, it's become available. And I'm like, yeah, great, that's, that's awesome. And he says, we should buy that land. Now, I was the business manager of the church at the time, so I knew how much we had in the bank, and how much we had in the bank was that. Like we weren't broke, but we, we had actually just spent some money elsewhere and said so there was nothing there. And and we'd got this notice that this auction was thirty days. And so he said, Call the real estate agent and ask him what he thinks, what the owner's thinking, you know. So anyway, I called the real estate agent and he says, look, the land's about one point two million, right? Which I know in Sydney it's like five acres, 1.2 million. You're kidding me. You know, like that's a shack in a corner in the back street, or some, you know, a red fern or something. But you know, it's like um, on the Central Coast, that's that's big, that's big dollars. And and so it was like, okay, 1.2 million. I, I just called. I, I then got off the real estate, got off with the real estate guy. And I went and called Mark and I said the guy wants 1.2 million, as if to say we're not in the game, right? Because we've got nothing. And there's 30 days. It's not like I can even, we can even have a run at this, right? This, this giant that's been intimidating the church is still here. It's still here. Well, he's like David in the field, right? He's like, we should do this. Like, we should, he goes, we, we should buy the land. And I'm like, great. So you're going to pay for it? Because, yeah, like, we've got no money. Like, it's, it's like, you're going to buy it? And he said, no, you know, we, we, we should really buy it. He just, as soon as he said that, he hung up the phone. He didn't tell me how. He didn't tell me what. So I just, you know what I did, nothing. Like, what am I going to do? Like, we've got no money. I'm just thinking, okay, we're done. So two weeks later, he, he calls me and he says, how are we going? I said, with what? <laughs> like, with what? What? He goes, we're buying the land. And I said, oh, well, we've still got zero. You know, like, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And he goes, well, what do you think we should? Have? He goes, let's figure it out because the land's ours. See, at that time, I was like this doubting Thomas. and my, That's a dangerous place to be because I was standing between a David and his giant. Uh, right? And, and I thank God, the grace of God that, that caused me not to become a stumbling block there, but I was a doubting Thomas. I had no faith that we were going to do this. Two weeks out, and so he says, Dave, you figure it out. What are we going to do? And I said, oh, well, <laughs> let's ask the people. I said, let's ask the people. Like, that's, you know, that's a pretty good idea, right? Let's ask the people. So that Sunday, he says, hey, we there's this block of land. It's $1.2 a million dollars, million, something like that. Um, we, we, you know, we, we, we'd love to buy it. It's in the heart of the church. Um, if you, if you feel like you want to be a part of purchasing this, would you email David and, you know, tell him how? Like, don't, don't deposit any money, but just tell him how much that you'd be, you'd be able to bring. Uh, but you need to reconcile it within thirty days of the auction, right? That was the deal. Or well, you know, within it was okay. Within five days, seven days, a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in pledges came in. That's that's great, right? But it's not 1.2 million. <laughs> it's not 1.2 million. So I'm like, great, we had a good effort. I felt like we had a go. You know, it wasn't a great go, but we had a go, you know. And so we're, we're kind of like 10 days out from the auction. And Mark calls me, how are we going? I said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit upbeat because he's a visionary and you're always going to be upbeat, upbeat with visionaries. I said, we got 120,000. He goes, that's Amazing. He said, Yes, you should go on, Saturday, on that Saturday to that auction. I thought, I can't go and, you know, imagine, you know, it's 1.2 million and first bid, 120,000. They kicked me out, you know. <laughs> They're going to kick me. The real estate guy would be going, Come on, man. Yeah, 120,000. That's not enough. So I said to Mark, No, look, Mark, I said, I can't go with 120,000. He says, Yeah, yeah, but there's still seven days. Like. And I said, Yeah. He goes, Well, what else could we do? And I said, oh, I don't know. I remember I'm guessing now. And, you know, my entrepreneur thinking, I said, well, you know, maybe we could inv- uh, ask the business people if they wanted to form a consortium of investors and actually buy the, pro- the land on behalf- like, for the consortium and give the church a five-year option to then the church could buy the land back uh, after five years. And he said, great, you should do that. So I reached out to the business people, no pressure, just said, hey, this is what we're thinking. Maybe you want to be a part of it. Nothing, nothing. The Monday uh, before the auction the auction's on Saturday, the Monday, he calls me he goes, "How are we going?" i said well we 've still got one hundred and twenty thousand he goes oh that 's great you know that 's great." He goes, "How about the consumer?" I said, "No nothing, nothing there He says, "Oh man we 're going to buy that land on saturday <laughs> i 'm thinking yeah we 're going to buy the land you know <laughs> so so he hangs up and that that evening six o 'clock i 'm on a call with some other pastors, like a zoom call, and my phone rings, and it 's a business guy that I know in the church, good guy." And uh, I just kind of mute the call because, uh, you know, other guys are talking. And I take the call and says, hey, Dave, uh, has, anybody, has anybody chipped into that consortium? I said, oh, man, no, no, they haven't. He goes, well, just put me down for 100. A 100 grand, okay, yeah, it's great, you know. As soon as I hung up, the phone rang again. It was a different business guy. I thought, oh, well, that was a good call. I took a business guy. I'll take another business guy's call before I get back to the pastors. This guy says to me, Dave, has anybody chipped into that consortium? I said, "Ah, oh, you know, one, you know, he says okay, well, put me down for 250. So I'm thinking, okay, this is pretty good. So as soon as I hung up, another business guy called. So I quickly, I, I kissed off all the pastors. They're like, hey, you, yeah, I, I don't want to talk to you in this moment. <laughs> within 45, within 45 minutes, because there was two other calls, I had 1.1 million. <laughs> 1.1 million. I, I remember, I'm, I'm like, I'm shaking. You know, like it's kind of. Uh, and so I call Mark. You know, it's like 7:30 at night. And he takes the call, and I'm like, you won't, you're not going to believe this. He goes, what's up? I said, we, we got the money. Like, we got 1.2 million, and we got the other 120. So we got, like, 1.2. And he's like, great, I told you so, and hung up. I was <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, I wanted to talk it out, you know. I wanted to, yeah, the, the theology behind it all, you know. Like, i got no faith. And He's like, great, okay. And so we go on Saturday. We buy the land, you know. Like, it's just, it's done. It's done. It's like... Those, those, those enemies that are, they're, 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 they're there and they're Goliaths and, and they're kind of like, there's a whole deal with Goliath. He, you know, he's, he's false wine. He's going to sell you lies. The things that resist your prophetic promise is the lies that you believe right now. That's the, you know, and, and they're tailor-made for you. They're, 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 they're set in such a way to you that, that you would believe them. All right? They're just done, but, but they're not actually meant to destroy. They're meant to cause you to rise. Meant to cause you to overcome. Uh, I'll give you another, I, I won't go through much of this because I'll just kind of tell you testimony. I feel like testimonies that, you know the story, right? You know that David carries a prophetic promise to become the king of Israel. But, but he goes straight, as soon as he's anointed by Samuel, he goes into process, which is rejection. He gets rejected by his family, even though he's got the prophecy to be king he goes into he goes into that and he, he but he but in the rejection in the forcing of David to go into prophetic pro, a prophetic process he he he's got to learn how to fight lions and bears he's got to learn how to fight victories that are in like internal victories victories that are hidden when you go into prophetic process you don't want promotion yet right like you don't like i cuz you know you don't want to you don't want a lot of our prophetic process we don't actually win a lot of it. <laughs> we stumble a lot of the way through. I'd rather stumble when no one sees, right, except for God, you know. It's just it's embarrassing. It's not like, you know, being a fighter and for nine rounds, you're getting the, the life punched out of you, you know. Like, you know you're going to have the knockout punch in the 10th round or something because, you know, it's your destiny. But, like, you're pretty ugly for nine rounds, you know. Like, you're getting whipped. And so David's getting flogged in the secret place, but, but, but he's getting capacity built inside of him. He's getting capacity built inside of him, and Goliath becomes as the, the tailor-made circumstances of hell against him. There are tailor-made circumstances of hell against you. I get that. But they're bred for you. They're, they're moments of opportunities for you to overcome, for you to come into strength. Not only as individuals, but as a church, like there's, there's a destiny here, you know. There's a there's a territorial. I've said to you before. There's a territorial anointing upon this church. So so there's gonna be that resistance. But the resistance is just to build capacity in you. You know. Um. And this is maybe most of you well, Most of you under the age of 30 or 40 aren't gonna. There's, there's, this, there's this church in America called the Crystal Cathedral, and it was built by a congregation with a leader called Robert Shuler. And, they, you know, like I said, if you're 30, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. But it was this, it's, it was this opulent thing, and it's, it's got Hour of Power, television program, Hour of Power, right? we got all the old-school Pentecostals here. And um, once it was built, it, it was really opulent. And I remember a, uh, a newspaper reporter spoke to the senior minister and he said, Pastor Shula, do you think God needed you to build him a church made out of crystal? Because it was was very expensive. Do you think God needed you to build a church out of crystal? And he said, I don't think God needed it at all. I think the congregation needed it because they needed to learn how to rise beyond what was possible and come into Miracle Zone because the congregation that began building it, while it's the same congregation, is no longer the same congregation. Because they're different, they they conquered some things together. They're, they're, so all of a sudden, God was expanding them through the challenge. I got this guy that I mentor, I coach in one of my consultancy companies in Europe, and um, think about this guy. He's a business guy. He's not a pastor. He's a business guy. He owns an agricultural company, but he is uh, he's got a destiny to be a nation transformer in his in his nation, and um, in in the late nineties. God spoke to him supernaturally and told him to invest in gold uh, at a certain time in the stock market. So he takes some of the the holdings of his company and he invests it in gold. And it goes from whatever it was and it skyrockets, right? Skyrockets. And, uh, And then right at the opportune time, God says to him, I want you to sell the gold. And he made just like mega, right? Like just mega return on it. And then God says to him, the money's not yours, park it. The money's not yours, park it, and I'll, I'll let you know when to spend it. So he parks this, this big deal of cash, and he's crying out to God for his nation. He says, God, we've got to heal the land. We've got to, to transform this nation. We've got to just heal the wrongs. And so what happens is this. A couple of years later, as he's parked the money, an opportunity comes where a young man has a, has a desire to open up these uh, restoration centers for youth and troubled kind of, you know, young adults, and uh, he wants to open them up and call them life centers, right? So, all of a sudden, God connects this businessman with this young man, and here's what he does. Opens a door in the nation. The nation has property that are the ex-concentration camps from the Nazis, and they're abandoned, and they're kind of stuck in a gov- The government owns them, but no one wants to buy because they're the death camps, and God gives this man supernatural favor with the government, and he takes the money that he, that he made out of the gold and he buys all the concentration camps and they transform them into these life centers. You know, just think about like what, like who, this giant that's in front, this giant that's resisting him, it's, it's kind of bred for him. I, I wonder the troubles, the thing, the wrestles that you have, they're actually tailor made for you they're tailor-made for you. Goliath is tailor-made for David. Listen, Goliath is like, he's he's just, he's a wild guy. Goliath is, don't you know this, but like I was saying to the guys before, Goliath is actually related to David. Do you know that? Goliath's mother is a a lady called Orpah, and Orpah was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Naomi had two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And Orpah Went with Naomi and Ruth as they were leaving, and Orpah turned back, but Ruth stayed with Naomi. Ruth is the great grandmother of David, and so Orpah is the mother of Goliath. So it's like it's a family deal, right? It's a family battle on the on the thing that uh, Goliath is everything that David is not. He's big, he's strong, he's brash, he's he's a you know he's a soldier, he's a professional. David's got warrior built inside of him because he's in prophetic process. You know, I think a lot of the time what happens in churches, we hear prophetic pronouncements and we go, great, you know, we, but, but we almost have a magical thinking saying God is going to do that somehow, um, and, he, and, and he, God is, but He's going to do it with you. You know, that in, in Deuteronomy it says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get the wealth. So that he may establish his covenant. Do you know that word? Power is actually a root word, which means capacity, and it's not capacity in the sense of it's not capacity in the sense of God's just going to do supernatural things uh, outside of you. It's capacity to that God can do supernatural things through you. Did you hear that? You've got to link that. Otherwise, you'll you'll have this you'll have this magical notion of how things happen in the kingdom. Is, is it all God? Yeah, it is, but it's not. Like it's through a people. God. So, so there's a Greek palace in Leichhardt that someone needs to buy. God wants it for the kingdom. Can He drop pennies from heaven? Maybe, but it's not how He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it through a body of people that have capacity, that have been given strength, that are in, have the prophetic promise, but now we're in a prophetic process. They're in a prophetic process. Like, like you just you go how is this going to be done well I'm a practical guy how, how do you, how do we go after that well God's going to build capacity inside of you right now this is your moment this is that that giant that comes through you know here's the testimony that I, I didn't share in the first service so so that was like this acquiring of this land you know last year in the middle of COVID um, Pastor Mark calls me again and uh, I'm, I'm wiser now you know I'm wiser. And he calls me and he says, hey, I need, we need to go and look at a building that's become available. Um, it's in this place in the peninsula. And I said, oh, okay. He says, it's Thursday morning. Meet me there. And he said, no one knows. Just you and I. We're going to go. And I I remember, I know this situation because I know that we've got, we don't have zero in the bank this time. We've got a little bit of cash, but it's about 100 grand. And I know if we're going to go look at a building, you know, you're not going to get much change out of anything million, north of a million plus, right? So we're supposed to go Thursday morning. Mark and I just meet this real estate guy. On the Wednesday night, the young guy that now takes care of the finances for the church, he texts me at 10 o'clock. Right? never texts me at 10 o'clock. You know, I I got a rule. Don't call me, you know, kind of after hours unless you're on fire or something else is on fire. You know, like then I'll come. But uh, if you stubbed your toe, wait till the morning. You know, like sort of... So... He texts me at 10 o'clock. He says, Hey, Dave, you up? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, what's up? He says, I think there's a problem with the bank account. I'm thinking, Oh, no. You know, I'm thinking maybe we've been hacked. Maybe something's gone on. And I said, What's the problem? And he sends me a picture. And I open the picture and it's a deposit. It's a single deposit that got made on that Wednesday uh, earlier during the day. And it's a million dollars. It's a million dollars. And he texts me and he goes, do you think a bank teller made a mistake and it was supposed to be like 10 grand and she hit some error And I said, well whatever, don't call the bank like <laughs> hey, you know we'll take the money you know So I, I remember going to sleep thinking God you you just dropped a million dollars out and it was anonymous no no name nothing you know, it was like the people wanted to we found it like in the end because we called the bank after a couple of days when it was legit and 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 the bank said... Uh, yeah, a couple came in, but they wanted to be anonymous. So the bank tellers are talking about it, you know. They wanted to be anonymous to drop a million dollars into a church's bank account. And um, I remember that next morning as we turn up to the, I, I rock up to this building that we're going to, looking to buy. And Mark, I could see he's a bit taken back. And he's like, dude, did you hear what happened yesterday? I said, yeah, I, I know. He goes, this is our building, right? I said, yeah, yeah, it is. He goes, don't tell the real estate guy. Don't, don't tell him anything. I said, no, no, we won't. And so we, we I, I knew we were going to have that building. So we go. The the the, the end of that story is we go to the auction. We got a million dollars cash, right? So I'm like, oh man, well, I'm confident. The problem is they tell us that who we're bidding against is a Lebanese family who have just sold a chain of dog, a in and a massive chain, and they got a hundred million cash. <laughs> we got a million. They got a hundred million cash, and they want the property because they want to destroy the church and build some some units on it. And um, so I'm thinking, oh man! I, I said, God, I thought I thought we were here. I mean, a million dollars. The, the building's got to be ours. But now we've got to fight these other guys with hundred million. They got deep pockets. I I just, you know. But I remember we're, we're in the auction. It goes uh, starts. You know, one million. We our, we cap out at 1.5. Like that's going to be our limit. So we're at 1.4. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is this is this is bad. And all of a sudden, the other group, the Lebanese group. Family group, they say to the guy, stop the auction. So he stops the auction, you know, we're at 1.4 million, we we hold the 1.4. And he said, and they said, um, we want to know who, because they don't know who we are. I said, who is this group? And the real estate guy goes, oh, they're a church. (laughs) They're a church. And he says, "Um, we're out, give them them the building. (laughs) We're out, give them the building. And um, so we go over to shake his hand, you know, like, thanks, you know. This. And he was like, no, no, he's I'm a Maronite Catholic. And he said, had I have known that you were a church, he said, I wouldn't have been. I said, someone should have told him that at a million dollars, you know. Someone should have told the guy at a million dollars. The giant got bigger, but we were bigger. I was thinking, as I was watching the video, and I was watching Leo in with the 80s jacket you know I was thinking man yeah was taking on giants the giants just bigger now but it's the same it been
0: you've been listening and to the GGC Life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you for more please visit our website GGC Life or email
1: us ggclife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be do your part. We have bought buildings and lands with most people chipping in at five to ten thousand dollars. Serious. No one, no one had to. No one had to. No one went to the bank and borrowed money. Mark won't allow that. If you're going to get yourself in debt to give, Mark says no. We don't take your money. We will not allow it. It's capacity. We believe God has built capacity of faith of just. You know. I I I believe this can be imparted. This 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 thought of. We're in prophetic process. We can, we can do this. Would you stand with me this morning? I, I want to just 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 speak this kind of like an impartation of your life. You 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 are pregnant with prophetic promise. It's deep in you. It's it's it, you're stewarding it. You've got the rocks in your pocket, intimacy, worship, unity, faith. Like it's here. I can feel like I can, I can feel the stones in the Spirit in your pocket. They're ready. They're, they're, they're ready here, ready for heart surrendered. That's a stone. God's not asking you to do more than your capacity, but to do your capacity so that He can put His super on your natural. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank You. We're in this moment. In this moment with uh, God, we're, we're, we're looking at You. We're looking at the kingdom we we we're, we're looking at the future we are saying god you, you you're establishing your work in a deeper realm in a deeper way god we 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 see we see multitudes coming to salvation we see we see men and women families getting healed getting delivered getting set free we see we see lord it's not just a physical building it's the it's the building of the church It's the many-membered body of the church, the businesses, the careers that are represented here. Each one of those is the front door of this church. But we thank you, God, in this moment, in this season of taking land. We declare in Jesus' name, this Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that tries to resist us? We declare provision. We declare that there'll be no lack We declare over and above and beyond what we could imagine, what we could ask, what we're thinking. God, over and above and beyond. Each one, Lord, pregnant with prophetic promises. I pray over every family, over every business. Oh, God, I pray over uh, over the children. I pray over the marriages. God, I pray over the careers. I I pray over the, 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 the schools God represented here. I just pray over them right now. I declare everything that has resisted you will fall at your feet in Jesus' name. Will fall at your feet. I impart faith. I impart capacity to see the kingdom, the spirit of God at work mightily. I declare creative ideas. I loose upon you prophetic dreams. Capacity to stand in the day of battle. Father, we thank you right now. We declare your sealing of this word, of this dimension. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, David. Awesome. Awesome word. That's our word. Word of the Lord. We take it on board. We receive it. We thank you, Lord. And thank you, David, for being faithful to share in it. Wonderful. We're going to, if you need prayer in any way, you want healing in your body, if you're trusting, you need need God to heal you because you've got pain in your body or sickness, we always believe that God can heal the sick. And if you need any type of prayer, feel free to come out the front. We're going to worship King Jesus. And if you need to accept Jesus for the first time, if you're here for the first time and don't know Jesus as your Lord, We also invite you to come out the front. I can introduce you. Other people can introduce you to Jesus and you can accept Him as your Lord. He's the one who paid the ultimate penalty on that cross for our sins so we could be forgiven and have relationship with God. Amen? Amen? Wonderful. Let's worship King Jesus.
2: Father, we ask you to bless it, Lord God, as we step into all that you have for us. Father, I feel like you're stirring up, stirring up the waters within us, Lord God, so we can step out the boat and see what you can do, Lord God. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We stay with expectant hearts, Lord God. Father, we stay with expectant hearts. Father, you said if we have faith, as small as a mustard seed that you would do more than we can ask think or imagine because we serve a supernatural God oh, that comes and intervenes into our natural lives and brings breakthrough so Father we thank you we thank you we thank you we thank you for what you've done and what you're doing still doing in our midst we want to stay receptive we want to stay leaning in Lord God to all that you have for us love you, Jesus. We love you, Papa. We thank you. We thank you. We honor you. We honor you. We continue to honor you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. We are so glad you could join us this morning at 11 a.m. Guess what? 5 p.m. If you want more of that worship time and just want to linger in the prophetic, in the time of worship, and just get wrecked in his presence. Come join us tonight, 5 p.m. That's what's gonna be like. Just worship and the prophetic in this place. If you've been here, you know what it's like. It just goes crazy, it's absolutely unbelievable. We love you. We are so glad you could come this morning. Starting point, it's starting very shortly. Uh, to my left, your right. And then you will see this booklet on your chairs. Please take them home, have a read, and just trust God to do what He's wanting to do in and through our lives. Give the person next to you a hug and say, I'm so glad that we got to listen to that message this morning. Amen. Love you guys. Have an amazing day.
0: Your appetite. You really do. You gotta be hungry. I mean, Tony was just sharing before about like wanting more. Like we've got to press in for it in in worship. But if you've got an appetite, let me tell you, God's gonna fill it. Okay? You need an appetite to even perceive the more. If you don't have an appetite, you're not gonna see it. You're gonna be blind to what God is doing. Your appetite will determine how far the Lord can lead you. Right? These people followed Jesus because they had seen him work wonders and they were still hungry. They wanted to see more. There was more, and Jesus wasn't done. right? Think about, think about in our human nature, it is natural to have an appetite. If we don't have an appetite, there's something wrong. We're sick, or, or something's gone uh, wrong. We don't just graduate from eating. all right? That's a good word right there. We don't just gra- graduate from eating. Every day, it's a new day, and I may have had pancakes, KFC, and all portos yesterday, but today I'm ready no, I didn't. I didn't. But today I'm ready once again to eat another full help. It's like Vanessa and I were, talk, we were sitting at our dinner table the other night, and we've been married for three years. We've had this table for three years, and it's already destroyed. It scratches everywhere, stains and all of that. But we're just sitting there, and we're like, wow, think about how many hundreds, if not thousands of meals we've had over this table, the different people that have come and, and all the memories that we've had. And um, the reality is your appetite is a sign of how healthy you are. And we don't graduate from eating. A good, healthy metabolism actually eats more often. And, and lately, I've been thinking about the story of Elijah. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a story of this man, Elijah, um, who was a standout prophet in his time where um, essentially in the nation of Israel, this was still God's people. The nation of Israel, they had abandoned following God because they had a king that did not follow God. But there was this one man, Elijah, that was willing to stand up for God. And so he sets up a competition and he asks the, the prophets of the false god to come and set up an altar. And he was going to set up an altar. And what he says is, he says, let's both call upon our own gods and see which God is real. Set up an altar. Put a bull on the altar. I'll put a bull on mine. And let's call down fire from heaven. And whichever altar is consumed by fire will be evidence for which God is the true God. And so he gives them time. And they start, you know what? This is really cool as well. They start, they start praying and um, you know, singing and chanting for fire to come down. And nothing happens. And so Elijah starts to throw sarcastic comments their way. And he's like, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe shout a little louder. And you know what? Elijah's one of the two people that got taken up into heaven. He never died. So there you go. That is scriptural evidence for why sarcasm is allowed in Christianity. <laughs> but so Elijah's Elijah's there is being sarcastic. He's got a bit of a tude. And um, he's 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 making fun of them. And then what he does, he goes to his altar, and you know what? He's got a, he's got an unquenchable and insatiable like appetite for God to come and consume the altar in that moment. And you know what he does? He's so he has an expectation for the more in that moment. And so he starts to absolutely drench the altar. You know, he's he's not just hoping that maybe this altar will catch fire by some, you know, natural phenomenon and there'll be a spark somewhere or the heat or whatever. He tries to make it as impossible as possible. And it actually says in scripture that this was this was no trick right cuz he starts to build the altar in front of them so everyone can see him building the altar he sets up the altar in front of them cuz it says he's restoring the altar of the lord so there was no like trickery it was in front of everyone and then what he does is he starts pouring water on the altar to make it even harder for god to consume the altar it's like if if this happens it has to be god he's got an appetite for the things of god and he knows he's got an expectation He says they killed the false prophets. There was a radical transformation in that nation. A radical transformation in that nation. Okay, so there's a contrast there between the world and heavenly resource. When it seems impossible, there is more room for faith. There is more to be expected. Faith looks like risk, as people have said. Believing for fire in the midst of water. Believing for rain in the middle of a three-year drought. What we have faith for, we will get. There is more. Everybody say, There is more. more. Turn to your neighbor and say, Increase your faith, brother or sister. It's, It's time to believe for more. You need to have an appetite for the more to go after the more. Romans 8 28, we know this, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I have a confident expectation of the goodness of God in my life, even in pain. Even in hardships, even in disappointments. Because when something's going on, I know that God is working it together for my good. I've got an appetite to see the more. There is more at play. What I'm experiencing right now, it's not the full picture. We need to take those surface level reality uh, uh, specs off and see what's happening. The deeper things that are happening. The deeper narrative. Okay, let's continue reading. Verse 5 of John 6. All right. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now this is, this is usually like my attitude. This Philip guy is a, a glass half empty sort of guy. He's aware of the lack. Okay. He's like, are you serious, Jesus? We would need like over half a year's wages just to feed this many people. This isn't going to work. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy, maybe this is you. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would they go among so many? This is like the half glass full um, a glass half full sort of mentality, right? Where you look at the glass, you see it's half full. You've got a positive attitude about it, but you just, you know, it's not full. Like something's got to, something's got to give. And so these two attitudes here are contrasting, but Jesus comes in with a different attitude. And uh, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted People had an appetite. They could have seconds, thirds, fourths, as we do in our family. And uh, he did the same with the fish. When When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets. Everybody say 12 baskets. We'll come back to that at the end. 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over for those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely... This is the prophet who is to come into the world. So you want to perceive the more in God, increase your appetite, and watch your attitude. Now, this is something I got to work on all the time. You got to watch your attitude, okay? Attitude can shift your direction big time, okay? Attitude is like the rudder on a ship. Attitude is like the the uh, track switcher on the train tracks. You know, you can like you can move a whole train just with one switch. You're switching the tracks over, Um, and and attitude, right? With bad attitude, it's even possible to ruin a visit to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Like I've had, I've had like we've planned the perfect holidays in our past, and because of my attitude, the amount of times I've managed to ruin dates or holidays, like, will astound you. I was thinking about. Um, we went to New Zealand before the borders closed with some really close friends, uh, Sam and Tomo and Vanessa. And we went, and it was also Vanessa and I's, like, I think, one or two-year anniversary. And we're in another country, which you take for granted now, in another country, in New Zealand, rolling green hills, absolutely beautiful, with best friends, with family, like, enjoying life on a holiday, going to some, going to stand in Grace's wedding. And um, it was beautiful. It was such an awesome opportunity. I was a driver, and um, and... I'm taking for granted this beautiful experience. And because I'm tired, I choose to have an attitude. And I start getting like a little bit irritated about like every little small thing that comes my way, right? Like we, we, I'm not listening to the music that I like. Or we take the wrong route and it's taking longer than I expected. Or I don't get the snacks that I want. Whatever it is, right? It becomes money wasted, time wasted, and memories missed. Because of my attitude, I missed out on the more. Right, you need the right attitude to perceive the more. Like you won't even see or perceive the more. You know what you? I think I said this earlier. You won't receive what you don't perceive. So if you want to perceive the, if you want to receive what you perceive, you got to work on what you perceive. Now, you won't be able to perceive the more unless you have the right attitude. You, you, if you're calloused and if you are, what's the word? There's a song that uh, I wrote a lyric about this. Uh, Prodigals come, come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The cynical uh, find faith. So sometimes you can be cynical, and the cynical people miss out on the beauties of life. You know, you can choose to have a cynical, uh, disgruntled uh, outlook on life, or you can romanticize uh, your journey. And you can can kind of enjoy and be uh, praise-filled about what you're going through. Anyway, you need the right attitude to perceive the more. Philip can see what's needed, right? So he sees the lack. We need to feed 5,000, the glass half empty type of attitude. Andrew can see what's available. Now that you might commend, but even that's just focusing on the supply. Five loaves and two fish. That's the glass half full. But only Jesus saw what's possible. The glass is irrelevant. And with God, all things are possible. Like my dad is like this to the point where like me and him, we get into tiffs because... He seems so, at times, so like, are you even in your right mind with the amount of faith you have? Like, He doesn't even look at what is what we have. It's not about the lack. It's not about the supply. It's about what God said. And we need to be, if, if you want to be a prophetic people, this is what it looks like. It looks like seeing what God sees and hearing what God says. And if you want to experience the more, you got to let go of what you, 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 the, what you see and uh, hold on to who He is. So... Is your attitude holding you back? Or can you see what's possible? Think about the promised land, right? The, the 12 spies that were sent out to the promised land, to Jericho. The 10 spies came back, had a bad report. Two spies came back with a good report. Those two spies got to see the promised land. The rest of them missed out. An attitude. These two spies had an attitude that God can. We believe in the God who can. Five loaves and two fish, our God can. Can. So there must be more to the story. You know, the five loaves and two fish, like sometimes we see it, um, you know, depicted as like these massive, nice big bread loaves and like these two massive like trouts or salmon or whatever. Like this was a small boy's lunch. It talks about barley loaves. These things are like wafers. So five small little wafers, and two, they said in, in um, what's the place that they were at? Uh, the Mag- Magdala was the location they were in, right? And in the Magdala markets, um, it was more likely that they were selling like, um, like sardine type fish, like really small fish. This was a small boy's lunch. So like if you thought five loaves and two fish was small for 5,000, which it is, like big loaves and two big fish, I'm talking smaller like the most impossible you can ever imagine. This is our God. Think about it. Like God God took Gideon's army and shrunk it down, shrunk it down, shrunk it down until it was an army of 300 and said, now go into battle. And I'll show you that I'm the God who can. Okay. Uh, um, this was enough for a small boy's lunch. So what, what do we see here? This is a meal prepared for a small boy, but it was enough to satisfy everyone. And I think there's something to look at there. We might look at it in a little bit. But our thought... A thought on our attitude towards inter- interruptions. Right, I was talking about interruptions earlier. Interruptions. This week was full of them. Um, my car failed. My baby exists. Um, you know the amount of times that. Um, well, like the baby, like the baby, pretty much is in like sleep, poo or eat um, phase. So, either Vanessa's feeding, and so I'm trying to support Vanessa and the feeding, and then burping. Um, or well, then he's done feeding, and so it's time to nappy change, and he's done, he does at least maybe three poo explosions weekly at the moment, maybe four, but, like, when I say poo explosions, I'm talking, like, projectile poo, so, like, if, Jimmy, if you're watching the stream, I'm sorry, but um, on the wall, on our cupboards, on the floor, he projectile pooed all over my leg, and I'm very, like, because of my mum, I've got this uh, sanitary complex, like, I've got a um, I'm like a cleanaholic. Like I, I freak out if the house is a mess. And he pooed all over me and I'm freaking out. I was like frozen. It was gross. Um, but that just it just kept happening. But you know what? These interruptions, right? Think about, think about this, right? Our lease was running out, okay, in this building. And we didn't know where we were going to go. And all these things are like interruptions. You feel like you're just getting into the rhythm. Like I felt like I was just getting into the rhythm of working here at church. Like I feel like I'm getting like a really awesome rhythm and, and getting really productive. And now this baby comes in and like I have to like rethink everything. Um, take a moment to perceive the more within the mess. There is more to what you see. God is doing things behind the scenes, working within the chaos. Like think about the the character development that's happening. You know, I'm I'm working with this baby, and Dad told me when he gave, when Mom and Dad gave, like when they had me, Mom gave birth to me, um, Dad looked at me and he said, wow, like like, everyone's always told me, you're going to learn so much about God when you have this baby. And Dad was like, he looked at me, he's like, wow, you know, my life is not my own now. I get to give my life to yours. And I look at my son, and I think, my life is not my own. <laughs> and I think, I feel guilty saying this. I'm going to grow in it. But I'm just thinking, like, um, this is crazy, essentially, right? It's like, I'm, this is what I've learned. I told Vanessa this. I've realized just how much pride I really have. There's a lot of character development going on right now. Like, I thought I was, like, a, a humble guy, and I love serving people, and I love people, and all that sort of stuff. But honestly, this kid, right, constant interruptions. We're feeding Elias, and we time it so we can have some dinner together. And there was one time, for example, we've, I think we've done this a couple of times. But we, did, we did, like, a menu log or an Uber Eats. And we ordered some food, and we've timed it so he's, he's going to be asleep, and we can watch a movie, or we can spend time together. And he wakes up as the food is being delivered. And so... You should see me like, I don't look like a Christian when this happens. I'm getting really frustrated that I'm going to have to eat my Macca's cold. And I'm just, and it's like, it shows like, why am I getting upset about like an $11 meal versus like this beautiful sun? And it's an opportunity for me to grow in my character development. And it hasn't, I haven't overcome it yet. So don't clap me, but I'm just saying this, right? It seems, he seems to time it perfectly, um, it's like he knows that he's working on dad's character. So thank you, Elias. You're doing a great job. Um, but this is a moment to go, like, think about the disciples, right? They would have thought that this feeding moment was an interruption, right? Like Jesus is teaching and he's teaching well, and this did not have to happen. But if it didn't happen, they wouldn't have experienced the miracle that day, Right? Like the lease, our lease running out in this building. You know, this is like a repetitive thread in our story as a church. Our lease runs out. We get kicked out. We move to something way better. And we see more salvations. We see more miracles, more breakthrough, right? Don't settle. There is way more for GGC. There is way more for your family. There is way more for you. There's way more for the business that you're running. There's way more artistic ideas that God wants to give you. There is so much more to what you're experiencing right now. And there's a deeper story. There's a deeper uh, narrative going on behind the scenes that he wants to open your eyes to. Take a look at the interruption that you may be facing and ask yourself, what's God saying to me? If you want to perceive the more, it requires an attitude that chooses to see God doing the more in the midst of the mundane. The attitude you wear will determine the path that you'll walk. The attitude you wear will determine the path that you'll walk. So you want to perceive the more in God. Increase your appetite. Watch your attitude. And lastly, submit or check your agenda. Because I think sometimes we have got the wrong agenda. You know, there's a Christ-aligned agenda, and then there's like a me agenda. Okay? Your agenda can manipulate what you perceive. Check your agenda to perceive the more that God actually has for you. All right. As we said, it's in our human nature. It's natural to actually have an appetite for more food. We don't graduate from eating, okay? It's important that we have an appetite. There's a good, a good healthy metabolism eats more often, right? There's a more that's for us. But here's the thing. There's a more that's not for us, okay? There's a more that's not for us. Think about gluttony, Right? One of the seven deadly sins that Leon is overcoming in Jesus' name. Gluttony is greed and envy, and it's a desire for things that God has not assigned for us. Right? It's fueled by pride. Okay, and we actually see in the next chapter we turn over. Actually, it's the end of this chapter. We see these people continue to follow Jesus, but for a different agenda. They think if Jesus can multiply bread, we'll never have to work again. This guy can feed us for the rest of our lives. This, is, this truly is heaven on earth. No more work. But that wasn't the point of what Jesus was doing. He was trying to open up their eyes to the fact that, yes, the kingdom of God is at hand. But what does that look like? It means living a heaven on earth lifestyle. It means loving. It means laying down your life. It means freely giving, right? And so, but they had an agenda that wasn't Christ aligned, but self aligned, okay? The downfall, I think there's something else to look at here, right? The downfall in overlooking or possibly overlooking the child's food, okay? There's something to learn here. Um, What was purpose to feed a child fed them all. And I think there's a deeper word to uncover here. In Matthew chapter 18, right, and this speaks to agenda. We see a connection. Matthew chapter 18, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him and placed the child among them on his lap. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? Well, here it is. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. What's Matthew 18 saying? Unless you become like a child, you never inherit the kingdom. Unless you're not looking for status or unless you become the lowest. You know, in Jewish tradition, the elders had the highest ranking and the children had the lowest ranking. It's like they weren't important. They weren't important. They were shushed out of the meetings, right? And um, after they began arguing about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus was imploring them to become like children, Whoever takes the position of a child is the greatest. Think about the children's table. Who here remembers being stuck on the children's table before the adult table? You started on the children's table. You didn't get to graduate to the adult's table until you stopped uh, talking nonsense and being an annoying little child. Right? You, you're kind of pushed off to the child's table. Essentially what Jesus is saying is stop trying to seek the head of the table. Sit down at the children's table. You know, if you've got an agenda that isn't about elevating yourself, you're going to see the more of God. If you don't have a prideful agenda, if you've got an, a, a, an agenda that aligns with humility, aligns with seeing the kingdom of God advance, let, let me tell you this, right? You've got to ask yourself what your agenda is. Your more is found in Him, belonging to Him, desiring Him, hearing Him, okay? And pride is the biggest hindrance to receiving the more of God, okay? And He has called us to advance the kingdom. So here's the question. Is your agenda to see more of your kingdom? Or more of his kingdom. Because that'll determine what sort of more you get. Remember, there's a more that's for you and there's a more that's not for you. There's a more that's healthy and there's a more that's gluttonous. And God is calling us to, to, to contend for the more, but make sure your agenda is Christ aligned. His agenda. Watch how you pray. Watch how you worship. Watch what you confess and dream and believe for. And then, when aligned with, His agenda. Everybody say, his agenda. When aligned with his agenda, watch him lead you into the more. Remember, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're looking for grace to do, to be, and to see more, come to him in humility. Come to him and say, look, I can't feed the 5,000, but I know you can. I've only got five loaves and two fish, but I know you've got more. If your agenda is Christ-aligned, you'll perceive the more that he has for you. The disciples had the humility to bring forth the boy's lunch and they got a miracle. So increase your appetite, watch your attitude and check your agenda to perceive and access the more God is calling you today, calling you to today. Think about like there are there are more miracles. If you're waiting for, on God for a miracle, the miracles are there, they're waiting. There's more provision. There are more business opportunities and artistic direction and vision for the future. And as a church, I believe there's more ground to take. You know, God's call, God wants us to see more of the kingdom advance with salvations and culture development and influence and impact and, um, and, and the building. Think about the building, right? The promised land for us. D- do you have a good report about what God's going to do? Do you have a good report about what God's going to do? Think about the state of the earth. And you think, if you look at the world and you think, man, this world is in chaos and it needs help and everyone's going, everyone's doing everything wrong. God has called you to make a difference. Perceive what he wants to do. Contend for the more. Ultimately, let me finish with this. Ultimately, the more is found in Jesus. So let me tell you about the more, okay? So you contend for the more, but guess what? The more actually blesses you, okay? Even though it's not a a self-aligned more, it's a Christ-aligned. Think about how this story finishes. There are 12 baskets left over. So as you serve him, As you fix your eyes on him, and as you pour out your resource and your effort, you will be provided for in excess. The Bible says that Jesus came to give life abundantly, excessively. The key is his kingdom first. As his word says, first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Jesus is gonna open eyes to perceive the more and what he's doing behind the scenes by the power of his spirit. A little personal testimony God is opening up my eyes. He see, we, we see like the prophetic thread of what's going on in our lives all the time. And even just last week, right? Um, Vanessa woke up Sunday morning, like 1 a.m. Um, to feed. And, and I was burping the baby. And I hear like some noise coming from her room. And I'm like, what the heck is she watching? And she's listening to the Bible, okay? And she opens up the Bible plan that she had stopped since the baby was born. So it was the day that was scheduled um, to read on Elias' birthday. And so the 20th of March, and it's this story, right? The five loaves and the two fish. And so she's reading it, and she's like, oh, that's interesting. And we, we didn't think much of it. I'm just thinking, why are you reading the Bible at 1 a.m. in the morning? And then we come to church, and Dad starts talking. He referenced the five loaves and the two fish again. And he's talking about, we got to come, and, and for this building, this, this this mission that we have, we, we want to take this ground, we got to give what we can to uh, continue this generational legacy, to prepare a place for our children. And then CJ comes up and shares the same word with the same scripture. And for us, it's like three times in the same day, we're reading John chapter 6, five loaves and two fish to come and bring what we can bring. And it was like confirmation for me and Vanessa. It stirred us in faith to believe for the more. You know, sometimes the more looks like having less. And so we felt faith, because you can only do it by faith, to give what God was speaking to us to give to this building project. And so we're going to give what we're going to give, um, but because God gave us faith and we can see the more, and We know there's something deeper happening and that we can actually, you know what? This isn't the end of the story. We don't end up with less money. In fact, when you put first his kingdom, he looks after you. All things will be added unto you. In the same way, like God, God is doing so much. There's a testimony here about, uh, maybe this, you can call me super spiritual. But this building, right, let me tell you, we're moving to Leichhardt. The day that we start, um, that we will pay the deposit, the 3rd of August, just happens to be the exact day to the date, seven years from when we moved into Leichhardt the first time. And I think that there's something uh, prophetic and like a deeper thread to the narrative that's happening here. Seven years speaks of completion, okay and it's like god revealed to us what he was going to do seven years ago and seven years to the date we pay a deposit on a building that we get to own and let me tell you let me go a little bit deeper and again you might think this is super spiritual but okay 30 years right this church has been around for 30 years okay and we're moving to this building we've been containing for a building for a long time 30 years like dad said that uh, people have prophesied that something was going to happen in our 30th year now we're going to be here and you know what for three years We're going to be paying off this building. We're going to be raising money. And on the fourth year, God willing, we will own the building. And can I tell you something about the fourth year? Jesus started his ministry At 30 years old, he finished his ministry. At 33 years old, he died, resurrected, and he left it to us. So on the fourth year, the first year of the early church, revival broke out, and the Spirit of God breathed into his people. And I think there's something about the completion, the seven days of rest. There's something prophetic going on. And you know what? If you can sense what God is doing by faith, you will believe and you will align yourself with the the God agenda the Christ-aligned agenda. And you know what? This first year of us owning our building in our whole history is going to far outpace and outweigh everything we've seen God do for 33 years. It's going to be like God's, Jesus said this. He said, you've seen what I do, but greater works shall you do also. And it's like the 33 years have been incredible, but let me tell you, what we've yet to see is going to blow your mind. So in the meantime, let's finish with this. Psalm chapter 100 verse four. the Bible says, "We enter his gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. So the biggest thing here, have an appetite, have the right attitude and um, have the correct agenda and if you can be thankful in all of that, you'll see the more happen. You'll see God pull you into the more because there is more. Let's say together. There is more. Go. There is more. There is more. We prophesy and we declare it. We speak it out into the heavens. We speak it out into the earth. You say what we loose in heaven, we loosen the earth. And what we bind in heaven, we bound in the earth. And Father, we thank you that you have given us this building. Father, we thank you that you are seeing freedom in families, freedom from addiction. Father, we thank you that you have spoken healing over your church 2,000 years ago. So we speak it over your people even now. Father, we thank you for peace when there is anxiety. Father, we thank you for joy when there is depression father we thank you that there is more the story is not over the narrative is not over. there is more to what's going on so father we we ask that you would open up our eyes even now to perceive what you are doing the more that you are doing fill us by your power fill us so that we would see what you see and hear what you're saying in jesus mighty name amen why don't we stand to our feet Let's worship God. Hey, let's declare his goodness. Let's declare his goodness. Come on.
3: We've seen, We've seen what you can do, oh God of goodness. The power has no more. The things you've done. And the things you've done before. There's no way
4: starting very soon. So have an awesome, awesome week and we'll see you back here next week. Unless you're staying for the 11th.